the IBM Cloud Podcast, coming to you every show with information about new capabilities and releases. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IBM Cloud Podcast. We're your hosts from the offerings team here at IBM Cloud. My name is Ian Lynch. And this is Steve Choquette. And today, guys, we're joined in studio by Sarah Ramirez and Michelle Doe from the IBM Cloud Digital Sales Strategy Team. Girls, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having us. So I'm going to tackle the first question here. So, you know, you, you see a lot of TV commercials about virtual reality. Um, there was a, a new movie or a relatively new movie in the uh, theaters called uh, Ready Player One. Um, I don't know whether anybody's seen that, but, you know, if you did, I uh, go ahead, tell everybody what it's about anyway when you, you talk. But, um, yeah, in that movie, there's this really, really rich guy, and he created a, a virtual reality world. He calls it Oasis, and he dies, and he says he's hidden this, this Easter egg somewhere in that virtual reality world. And if you get it, you get his billions of dollars. So uh, to me, I think that's really appealing because uh, billions of dollars works with me. But let's start with something really simple. You know, what is AR and what are what is VR? Yeah, you hear those words a lot now with uh, technology moving forward. So AR is augmented reality. So basically just your reality, what you see right now, but augmented. You know, they're overlaying something on top of that and it's interacting within the environment. Um, virtual rea- reality is more of a mental teleportation. So where you're fully immersed in this virtual world, um, it's you know it might not be have anything to do with what you're seeing and where you are right now. It, you're just completely teleported to a different reality. Oh, cool! Yeah, I like that concept of being teleported. I could be on the beach right now. You could. Yeah, and then I wouldn't even get a suntan. So, um, <laughs> are we at the point where this game could take place? This this Ready Player One with you know worldwide. There's uh, people in this world and interacting, and you know. Uh, someone's in China and someone's in India and someone's in Europe and someone's in the U.S. and maybe someone's in Brazil. I mean, could that really happen today? Um, so so in theory, um, you know, we have technology that would enable it. Uh, but really what we're limited right now by is isn't so much the VR or AR capabilities as it is the infrastructure and the backbone that interconnects all of us. Um, so, so things like internet connectivity, you have to have really high quality internet connection to be able to sustain. Um, and with one user, maybe you could have that immersive web-based, um, you know, VR experience. But when you think about, you know, four, six, seven billion um, individuals around the world, that's a lot of bandwidth, that's a lot of network connectivity. And in order to feed a, an incredibly high quality experience, you take more bandwidth because you take things like, um, you know, quality of the the virtual reality that you're in. Does it feel real or does it feel like, you know, I'm sitting in a, a Snoopy comic <laughs> in terms of what my graphics look like? So um, I, all the technology exists. It's just, does it work how it should work right now? And, and with, with infrastructure and, and the backbone that interconnects us all, it's just not quite there yet. Yeah, you have to think about like, if you are in an MMO environment, that is hundreds of thousands of people interacting in a single environment. So it's 
it's not just when you're playing, you know, multiplayer with four people where it only needs to have player data for four people. You're talking about 100,000 other streams that need to be happening at the same time. And whatever that other person is doing has to, you have to see that as well within that environment. So there's a level of detail that might overload the systems at this point. So maybe next year then, right? Yeah. <laughs> sure, why not next week, Steve? So guys, oh. in in terms of right you're saying that we're not there yet to have a global network of running this a or v or with seven billion people on board all playing the same game at the same time but a massive amount of businesses and technology oh, sorry a massive amount of businesses and industry should i say are adopting this already we're not seeing people walking down like manhattan around in new york city with vr headsets on right but we're seeing massive amount of a or coming to things that we're doing in everyday life today not so much VR. So what specifically are we seeing with the industries doing? Because they are, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So AR is something that we see every day already, you know, from if you're a sports fan, overlaying lines on top of sports gaming and television. Um, I know I have a furniture app where I can view my furniture in the room before I buy it. Um, with Sephora, they actually have an app where I can try out lipstick colors on my face to see if it fits my face before I buy that as well. Um, and then the ever popular Pokemon Go. Um, that was a big thing where we saw people in the streets, you know, holding their phones up, catching Pokemon everywhere they go. I kind of miss it, honestly. Um, so, Michelle, I, I want to bring it back there to a little bit what you said about this in terms of A or in an app like Sephora, where you can try on a lipstick to make it seem like it can fit your face before you buy it. This type of an experience is becoming much more real today right and businesses are using it in totally different ways that we would ever have imagined but what else are we seeing besides these things we're seeing the interaction between AR, VR, and probably some ai capabilities too right right um so some of the other things that we see are probably more prevalent within industry training um so teachers use ar to train uh medical Industries use it for training surgical um, instances, astronauts. Uh, that I think they actually use a lot of VR in those situations as well, not just AR. Um, real estate agents, you know, if you can think about being able to tour a house without having to actually go to that house. I don't know. I, I think everybody here has kind of went through the home buying experience where you have to travel, you know, within the same 30 mile block and look at dozens of different houses. Just think if you didn't even have to leave a room when you're doing that and you can actually, you know, kind of know the flow of the house before you even go and visit it in person. Yeah, well, that one's always tricky because I'm thinking if I were the real estate agent, I'd only show the good parts of the house. You know, don't show that pile of clothes in the corner or that messy uh, refrigerator or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you get the first feel of the house, right? So like if you kind of know the flow of it first, you, you can get an idea of whether you want to actually go there and see it in person or not. Well, and it so. does make sense. It seems like you could reject stuff. You know, absolutely. you may not be able to decide I want to buy this one, or, but you can decide whether you want to go off and, and uh, tour it, I would think. Yeah. And, it, and it makes a lot of sense, I think, also for like... Uh, Surgery, I think I would rather my uh, surgeon originally practiced with not real people, and then they eventually move on to real people. And then when they're really, really good, they can find me. <laughs> yeah, that's something that they're doing right now, actually. And um, 
you know, they have some AR enabled capabilities in healthcare, but VR in healthcare is getting really big um, where they can actually um, do, uh, you know, three-dimensional rendering of organs and human bodies, um, you know, so doctors can go in and perform, uh, you know, surgeries, surgeries virtually. Um, a lot of that, you know, we even see in the news when they do separation of conjoined twins, a lot of times on the news, you'll see doctors going through the actual procedure um, virtually to understand, you know, how are their veins connected? How are their organs connected? And, you know, what is the, the you know, safest way, you know, to perform the procedure? And, you know, everyday stuff they do as well. Um, but that was one cool story I've seen recently. Um, you know, that was, that was really impressive to see VR being used. Oh, cool. When, um, when we finally get 5G everywhere, will it help us get to the Ready Player One environment faster? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the biggest thing that will probably be a stop gap or a roadblock is <laughs> for an environment like Ready Player One is monetization. Um, being able to monetize an MMO game is always the hardest part. Uh, you know, it takes a huge amount of infrastructure to run those servers to support that environment, and they've got to make money somehow. Um, so, you know, those companies pretty much have two options. They have to have like a month-to-month -month subscriber model where the players are paying a set amount every month, or maybe like free-to-play with microtransactions where they buy skins or they buy... Um, furniture that they put in their virtual reality environment. I don't know, um, stuff like that. But you have to think about those things within the environment itself. And I, I think we did see that in Ready Player One, too, where they were spending their in-game money on things that they could only have in this virtual environment. But um, it's basically where they live. So it, it makes sense. So I, I think it's not too far away. And skins is definitely something that's prevalent within the video game industry already. I know people that spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on skins on Fortnite and Counter-Strike. And I'm like, really? Do you really need to spend $200 on like a rainbow knife? And they're like, yeah. For the Just swag. go outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes me think of all the people in WALL-E. Uh, get my little Disney plug or Pixar, whoever did that one. Um, I, I, you know, you, you have both mentioned the infrastructure and since this is a cloud podcast, I have to ask, you know, um, so where is IBM Cloud in all of this? What can we do in the area of gaming? Uh, so we can do a lot. We actually have partnerships um, with NVIDIA, or a partnership with NVIDIA. Um, and, and we work with them to get, you know, the latest and greatest in terms of GPUs. And GPUs are kind of the cornerstone of what you need to be able to run like a solid AR, VR, um, multiplayer uh, sort of environment. Um, right now, we've got the P100, which is kind of the, the top of the line uh, that's out right now in terms of cloud computing. And as they release new and interesting or new and powerful, maybe is a better way to put it, um, a technology, we typically work with them to be some of the first to um, release it. Um, and a lot of people ask, like, why should we use IBM's GPU versus another competitor's GPU? Um, and, you know, one of the, the key, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the key benefits of IBM is you get the entire GPU to yourself. With a lot of competitors, you get a sliver of a GPU. So you actually have to buy 
many instances of one of their pieces of GPU technology to meet a single P100 GPU or even, you know, lower end technology GPUs that we offer. Um, and, and so, you know, if you want the best experience for your users, if you want the best graphics, if you want the fastest processing time, the only way to go is with a dedicated GPU. Um, things that help accelerate that are things like our, our global network, you know, get the game closest to your end user. We have um, data centers on almost every continent um, and in, in tons of countries. Um, so you can have, you know, that, that proximity, low lag time, things like that. Um, so, so there are all sorts of technologies that you can leverage that just add to the power of your game. But um, I, would, I would say first recommendation, if you want to run a virtual reality type workload, um, go, for, go for the GPUs. And then on the more glamorous side of what we offer is probably the artificial intelligence um, products that we have. So Watson, I'm sure everybody's heard of that by now. Um, we actually are already in a game with Ubisoft. That's the Star Trek Bridge Crew game. Um, where they use our AI capabilities to allow the player to interact with the ship naturally. So you can actually talk into the game and command the ship um, and just use natural language, you know, say turn left, but, um, or, you know, stop the ship or everybody on deck. And it'll do that stuff um, just based on the Watson speech to text translator, natural language classifier. Um, so they're using Watson to make it a more natural gaming experience. And I think this is really interesting because, you know, that, that's something that we're probably lacking within the virtual reality world is being able to interact with non-player characters in a more human way, you know, not just clicking or just having two ways to answer them, but actually having this non-player character actually be a cornerstone of artificial intelligence as well. Yeah, so we actually have a partnership with Unity and a software development kit that you can integrate Watson with. And Unity is one of the top three gaming engines that uh, gaming developers are using now. So being able to integrate Watson easily into one of those gaming engines is huge. Sorry, Michelle, um, I was kind of getting lost for words there, right on the tip of my tongue when you start talking about this and Sarah was talking about this cool infrastructure and I kind of got lost in the sauce thinking, going, wow, it's it's more than just these glasses that we're wearing for VR and this amazing capability in our front ends. And then you start coming in and talking about the Watson capabilities. And I really want to ask about Unity, but that's where it all really happens for the software developer, right? You, leveraging that SDK. We came out and we announced it quite recently, I think. Um, so yeah, that was my question. But I guess my next question then to not derail the conversation is, but we spoke last week and you were telling me about you were at an awesome um, gaming developer conference, right, in San Francisco. What was it like to be at that in terms of AOR and VOR? Has that kind of changed being there? Let's say if you were there two or three years ago at a similar conference, how yeah, has AOR actually, and VOR changed that? Absolutely. I've been at GDC for a couple of years now, and this year the VR presence is massive. You know, it's pretty much every other booth that has a VR experience integrated. So anywhere you go, you can just try it out. And they have all sorts of different VR experiences there. Um, one of them was a, a laser tag sort of um, experience where everybody is in a virtual reality environment, but it's not just a laser tag. Um, you know, just your typical 
uh, main main event laser tag. You know, you're out on the actual battlefield in a laser tag environment, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, there was also Settlers of Catan. I don't know if you guys are big board game fanatics, but, you know, one of the things that I love to do in college is get my friends together and play some board games. And nowadays it's kind of hard to get everybody in the same house at once, but being able to play a board game with somebody, but, you know, have everybody in their own house is pretty cool. Um, so you actually have your own little avatar. You can be a cat, you can be a lion, and you're playing this board game um, just normally as you would, but you're not in the same room, but you're still getting that same interactive experience. Um, Michelle, Sarah, it was really good having you on the show. Um, absolutely something different from what we're used to normally talking about with IBM technology. It's not something that a user of every day can actually see and touch and feel, but I think this is something that we're absolutely going to go towards and pivot towards. Um, guys, again, sorry, thank you for being on the show. It was it was really fun. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having us. And check out our gaming landing page. Um, that's ibm.com slash cloud slash gaming to learn a little bit more about gaming within the IBM space. Thanks again, guys. And remember, if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And for myself and Steve, guys, thanks for joining in. See you next time on the IBM Cloud Podcast. <laughs>